Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Ann Lipton, Michael N. Fleischmann, Associate Professor in Business Law and Entrepreneurship at Tulane University. We'll be discussing her recent article, Not Everything is About Investors, The Case for Mandatory Stakeholder Disclosure, which is forthcoming in the Yale Journal on Regulation. And welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. So I've seen you present this paper twice now, and it's been really interesting to think about some of the the policy implications it offers. In the United States, for about the last 85 years or so, we've had a system of public disclosures for publicly traded companies. I wonder if you could uh, maybe start off the conversation by discussing the purpose of that disclosure system, uh, what role it plays for investors, whether it's maybe aligned to what investors need, or, or maybe whether it's taken on uh, a bigger role than what was originally envisioned? Sure. So basically, the rule is that when a company seeks to raise capital by selling securities to the public, it has to make a whole lot of disclosures about its business. Now, that statement, it hides within it a lot of complexity. What is a security? What does it mean to sell its securities to the public? And it can mean a lot of things, but generally speaking, it means when it sells its stock and its bonds. And the what it means to sell to the public as opposed to a private sale it's actually uh, really important because that definition is one that's set by the Securities Exchange Commission and by Congress, and the definition has been changing over the years. But if you think in the sort of broad strokes, a company sells its stock to the public. Now it has to make a whole lot of disclosures about its operations, its finances, its capital structure, um, all about its business, and all of that is so that investors can get a sense of how to value they're the stock, and so they know what price to pay. It's uh, so that they can decide whether to allocate capital to this firm or that firm, so that they can see whether or not uh, managers are behaving appropriately, whether they're adhering to their fiduciary duties, whether they're engaging in inside transactions that maybe put the stockholders at disadvantages. So these are all the purposes behind securities disclosure system. And it means that we get a lot of insight into any company that chooses to raise capital by selling securities to the public. They have to file hundreds of pages of documents when they first sell the securities, and then periodically thereafter, basically every quarter, they have to file updates. So this gives us a lot of information, and it means that that information is available not just to investors, it turns out, because other people can read these documents too. Competitors read them, contracting parties read them, like lenders, like employees, Uh, regulators read them, and they get a sense of sort of a, a broad picture of the economy. So even though these documents are intended for investors, they're actually consumed by a lot of audiences. And so in your paper, you discuss a little bit of a move with securities disclosure to to conduit through the securities laws and through securities disclosure information that may not be as pressing mm-hmm. for investors, but that has perhaps a, a social relevance. Could you discuss that phenomenon that we've seen over the last 15, 20 years or so, why has it taken the conduit of securities disclosure? Why is the SEC the nexus for it? Because it seems like uh, another agency, for example, the Department of Labor or Department of Commerce, somebody else uh, could serve this function. 
Okay, so, right. So, well, we have these companies that they disclose all this information through the securities laws. There is no other mechanism for requiring companies to make holistic disclosures. We have all kinds of mechanisms for companies to disclose very specific things. So they have to disclose workplace hazards to employees um, at particular plants. They have to disclose certain kinds of environmental compliance things so that the surrounding community can see it. But anytime you buy anything, um, there are all kinds of product disclosures that go directly to the consumer, but there aren't really holistic disclosures about company operations except through the securities laws. And as I said, they're being used by all these other audiences for to get a sense of, of how companies are operating. So what's tended to happen is that because we don't have an alternative system, whenever anyone feels that we need information about corporate performance for essentially for other kinds of reasons, there's a tendency to try to like filter that through the securities laws, even if it doesn't, even if this, if, if, even if it really wouldn't necessarily benefit investors. So, so for example, Congress passed a requirement that companies disclose whether they're using conflict minerals in their supply chain. Now that's not relevant to investors. Even the SEC has said it's not relevant to investors. It's there essentially to try to shame companies into uh, watching their supply chains. There's a disclosure requirement now, the CEO pay ratio disclosure, where the company is supposed to disclose the ratio of the CEO pay to the median worker. That's not really for investors either. It's, it, it, it's meant as a kind of shaming mechanism so that society can see um, the size of CEO pay packages. And, and that may very well be a good idea. The issue here is that we're filtering things through the securities laws as though um, because there isn't an alternative mechanism. So I agree with you that the Department of Commerce, the Department of Labor might be the more appropriate regulator. The problem is that we just don't have a holistic disclosure system for companies in general. And so everything kind of gets shoved into the securities laws when society wants to know. And that's why, and then this is the basic proposal that I have, which is that we should, instead of pretending all of these facts are relevant to investors, we should actually just develop an alternative disclosure system that would apply um, to large companies and basically require certain basic facts about their social performance, their finances, their organization. So that would be available to the general public. And you get all, um, all of these other audiences that are already consuming securities disclosure, they would get insight into all companies, not just companies that raise capital by sales to the public. So you mentioned that we can often acknowledge that some of these disclosures aren't necessarily relevant to investors, and the SEC will be the first to acknowledge that. Do the proponents of filtering these types of disclosures through securities laws acknowledge that, or do they typically suggest that there is a, a relevance to investors, or is there... Yeah. Yeah, see, this is one of the arguments I make in the paper. See, what, let me, I'm, I'm really sympathetic to the idea that these kinds of, this kind of information is relevant to society as a whole that it's appropriate that we have information about the large companies that essentially are, you know, part of our, the economic architecture of, of the country. I mean, I, I'm very sympathetic to the argument that we need that kind of information. But because the securities laws are really the only way to get it, and the securities laws are aimed at investors, it means that every time somebody wants this kind of information, they usually try to make an argument about why it's relevant to investors. It's kind of transparently not true. Or sometimes they do. It, like when it comes from Congress, they don't, often don't even bother mentioning what the investor rationale is. But they'll come up with rationales. They'll say, "Oh, you know, it could be relevant to long-term corporate performance or something." And I mean, you can say that, but it's transparently not really what the motivation for a lot of these disclosures are. 
you know, so it's rare that you'll see them kind of outright say this is really not for investors, but sometimes it kind of sneaks through. So the SEC, like the conflict minerals disclosure, was clearly not for investors. And when it was challenged in court, the SEC didn't even bother coming up with an investor-oriented rationale. The CEO pay ratio disclosure, I think the earliest justifications were just the obvious ones, which was this is intended to show the size of CEO pay so we could understand, you know, in a time of increasing income inequality so that we could see where money is flowing. And then it was later when they realized that they were going to be filtering it through the securities laws, which are not really intended to inform society as a whole. Then they started talking about, oh, investors care about this because of economic rents and so on. So one of the arguments I make in my paper is that if we had a system of corporate disclosure that was intended for society as a whole, then it would it would add a lot more honesty to the conversation because right now people want this kind of information because they want it for society, for consumers, for workers, and they have to essentially lie about what their motivations are. And that's not healthy for and, and, and not conducive to a productive discussion about the kinds of obligations corporations have to society and the kind of informational needs that society has and what the costs and benefits of those are. So in your paper, you propose a more honest system that gets this information to the public without filtering it through the securities laws. Could you walk us through how that proposal works and how you kind of see it functioning in in at least broad strokes on the ground? Yeah, I basically envisioned something. Well, I mean, what I propose in the paper is sort of a joint project between the SEC and the Federal Trade Commission, mostly because the SEC has a lot of experience with sort of designing disclosure in uniform ways by companies in language that's sort of for the ordinary person to be able to read and interpret. And the FTC basically, you know, does a lot of research on on the economy and how corporations are operating as a whole. So I was imagining a sort of a joint project between the two of them. But to be honest, my point is really less about that proposal specifically than about taking it not making it particularly the SEC's responsibility because it's not supposed to be for investors. And the idea would be something like companies of a certain size, and I don't bother to set the particular thresholds, but you would imagine sort of the largest companies would have some kind of basic disclosure package the kinds of things that people sort of demand of right now of that they want to know about companies outside of the investor space. And that comes down to a set of pretty standard categories. Capital structure, revenues, profits, you know, financial information of that kind, um, political donations, uh, treatment of labor, compliance with the law, environmental impact. Those are, you know, the basic kind of categories of information, and that's the kind of thing that would be disclosed. Is this practice followed, or is is there a model to look to in other countries that might uh, show the way in how the U.S. could do something like this? Nothing exactly like this, but there are things sort of like it. So one of the things that's really what I discovered and was really surprised to see was that the United States is really unusual in the fact that companies don't have to make holistic disclosures really about anything unless they're seeking capital from the public. If they choose not to raise uh, capital through the public sale of securities, they don't have to disclose really any kind of generalized information. And let's be clear, what it means to seek capital from the public is a category that's been narrowing and narrowing recently because Congress and the SEC have been of the view that if you only seek investment from very wealthy investors, that doesn't count as a public sale. And so it's become easier and easier for companies to become huge without technically selling securities to the public. So that's how you get an Uber or an Airbnb or a WeWork or something like that. So if a company doesn't raise capital from the public, it really doesn't have to disclose anything about its internal operations. In Europe, for example, that is not true. In Europe, any limited liability company is required to make some financial disclosures. Now, 
exactly what they have to disclose is sort of on a sliding scale. The bigger they get, the more they have to disclose. The smallest companies will just disclose some kind of balance sheet information. And as they get bigger, they'll have to do sort of profit reports and audited financial statements and maybe some director statements, that kind of thing. So the bigger they get, the more they have to disclose. Now, that's financial information. Then we have the separate issue of the kind of social disclosures, you know, the workforce issues, the political donations, the treatment of labor, all that. Now, it turns out what Europe has recently done is passed a directive saying that the largest companies have to disclose that kind of information for non-investor audiences. They're very explicit about it. They say that so that consumers and, and, and so forth can, can understand uh, how companies function, these kinds of social disclosures will have to be made only by the largest companies. And then how they define large, it's really a country by country standard, but most countries are choosing to essentially define it by reference to securities trading. So it's sort of a hybrid system in that these kinds of disclosures for non-investor audiences are mostly going to be tied only to companies that have sought to raise capital from the public, which I think just doesn't make any sense. Like, I I don't see why one thing has, has anything to do with the other. So what that comes down to is that Europe is definitely requires more disclosure for non-investor audiences, but they haven't completely set up an alternative system of the kind that I'm proposing. Do you see a potential for firms that are at the margin of hitting a revenue mark or an employee headcount or some of the other metrics that might shift it into this publicness category where it needs to make these public disclosures? Do you see any potential for them to avoid doing the things that would get them over the the line and, and things that we might view as socially beneficial, like hiring folks or growing their revenue or engaging in productive merger activity? to avoid these requirements? I actually think they will up to a point. Um, in fact, there's already evidence that they do that in Europe. I'm not saying that there won't be gaming in the system. I think you've got any kind of regulatory system, people are going to game it. And what happens in Europe, what um, at least one study has found, is that companies, you know, the way Europe does is this sort of, which I think is you know, correct, is they measure size by two out of three metrics, number of employees, revenues, or assets. And if you hit a particular threshold on two of those for two years, you move into, you know, the next category of disclosure. So what some have found is that companies will try to reduce their assets to the extent they can by factoring, basically, you know, sort of selling it and taking the revenues from it, stuff like that. They'll they'll do kind of financial engineering around the margins to avoid going into the higher disclosure bucket. But they can only do that up to a point. Um, You know, after that, it's not worth it to do it anymore. They're costing themselves too much to try to avoid the disclosure, and they just, they disclose. So I would anticipate that if something like my system were put into place, I would absolutely expect the companies would game it around the margins. And to some extent, that's going to be a question of defining things carefully so that you can't just sort of outsource all your labor and say, therefore, you don't have employees. That's really, to be honest, it's a real problem now. Companies have plenty of reasons to do that. I don't know that the system is going to give them any more incentive because they already have plenty of incentives to do that, and that's a whole separate regulatory issue. But I imagine they'll do what they can to reduce the number of employees. They might do what they can to avoid growing in size. But I have sort of a couple of responses to that. The first is that my concern in this kind of proposing this kind of system is that companies that are of a certain size have a certain power in the economy and society, and that's why they should be accountable to the public if they choose not to get that big. 
then it's fine to, you know, that they not be that, you know, like that's their call. If ultimately, though, I think that most companies, the, the shareholders will eventually decide we want the profits and the extra benefits that come with being big. And that's the choice and the trade-off that they'll ultimately make. But I do expect that there will be gaming around the edges. I'm not sure that that's a reason not to have the system rather than to have the best system we can to try to prevent gaming. But at the end of the day, any kind of regulatory system is going to have that sort of thing. And it's just a question of where you draw the line. Right. I think that's right. I think that the incentives to grow uh, are strong enough that any effect would be very marginal and growing and and getting bigger and and having higher profits means uh, this extra level of disclosure. I imagine that would be for most companies, uh, just a cost of doing business. I I wanted to speak a little bit about the political economy of of this sort of proposal being adopted, who do you see as supporting it? Who do you see as as opposing it? I I had the impression that maybe companies that are public now uh, might actually be supporters because it levels the playing field a little bit uh, as compared to some of their private competitors. That's actually how I see it, too, because here's what I think. I think that for a lot of businesses really wouldn't want the system in general. So we have private companies that don't have any disclosure obligations now. They don't want it. And the publicly traded companies that have a lot of disclosure obligations, they don't want it either because, for one thing, it would require them to make these social disclosures that they don't want to make. One of the arguments I make in my paper is that right now a very big company doesn't have to disclose much about its subsidiaries because each of its subsidiaries may be too small to matter to investors. And that ends up with these really perverse situations like Google doesn't have to disclose much about its YouTube subsidiary because it says, well, YouTube is just a small part of our overall business. But that's ridiculous. YouTube is so important to like society that we should know more about it. And this is the problem with an investor-oriented system. So Google doesn't want to disclose information about YouTube. And so it would be opposed to this kind of system anyway. So there's no question, I think, that businesses of all stripes do not want to have to make more disclosures. That said, for publicly traded companies, it's a different kind of calculus, because as much as your Marriott's of the world do not want to disclose more information about their labor force or whatever other kinds of issues there, um, however much that might be true, what's also true is that the Marriott's of the world would love to see Airbnb's internals. So certainly I think this kind of regulation is not one that most businesses would be happy with, but at the same time, businesses that are already publicly traded might be happy to see and might be not that unhappy um, to the extent there's a level playing field with their competitors or who are private and staying private and are able to conceal information from the market. So, for example, Sotheby's is publicly traded, apparently is going private. Made, and one of the reasons is that its major competitor, Christie's, is private. And Sotheby's feels that it's basically, ha- among other things, Sotheby's, I'm sorry, there are a bunch of reasons, but Sotheby's basically feels that it's handing out free information to the marketplace about its business and Christie's doesn't have to hand out anything. And, and so what's going to happen is Sotheby's going to go private, and we're going to lose a lot of financial information about how the art world functions. And that's bad for society overall. I'd rather both companies have to disclose information about their operations. So th- there might be that leveling effect domestically. Do you see any concern with potentially forcing American companies uh, to share this information with overseas competitors and not get a, a compensating look into what their, their competitors are doing? 
Yeah, um, I think that probably actually is an issue. In fact, there was a recent uh, study posted that uh, claiming that um, oh, that foreign competitors very much are looking at American financial companies for publicly traded companies. And I and I and I have to say, I, I don't really have a great solution to that. Um, certainly not companies that don't have uh, mandatory disclosure systems. But we've already got you know a mandatory disclosure system of financial information in Europe. And considering how much they're already taking steps to require social disclosures of the largest companies. It wouldn't surprise me if they followed along. So at least that respect, we could actually set a better standard. We could take the lead on that front instead of following. I wonder if we adopt this proposal and unfilter some of the non-investor disclosures from the security system, what implications you see that having for securities regulation? Generally, could it be something that might facilitate capital formation uh, particularly in early stage companies, or are there other policy objectives outside securities or capital formation that that might be facilitated or impacted by this? Well, yeah, I mean, I actually think this is better for investors and better for capital formation in a bunch of ways, even though that's not the point. I mean, like literally, the title of the paper is not everything is about investors, but I actually think that it would be better for the it would be better for capital formation for a couple of reasons. First, one of the arguments that's already been made mainly by Elizabeth DeFontaine, among, among others, is that right now, because Congress and the SEC have pulled back so far on mandatory disclosure, that is to say they've allowed companies to stay private only by raising capital from wealthy investors, for, and that means that we have a lot of companies that are able to stay private longer. That actually has ended up harming investors and the market generally because investors, when they invest, they have to price they have to value what it is they're investing. They have to value companies, and they usually do that comparatively by looking at performance of a bunch of companies. And And when you take a huge chunk of companies just out of the picture, that makes it a lot harder for investors both in private and public companies. So I think that a disclosure system like this sort of restores that balance. The other issue is simply that a lot of companies choose to remain private because they don't want to have to make disclosures to the public, and they figure if I can raise capital without making disclosures, I may as well go ahead and do that. But if all companies, once they hit a certain size, are required to make disclosures anyway, then that would make the incremental cost of going public much, much lower. And I actually think we'd see more companies choosing to go public if that were the case. And uh, that would, I think, be good for the economy. A lot of people have expressed concern about how few IPOs we have these days. And a lot of the reason for that, it's not the only reason, but a lot of the reason we have for that is because we've made it really easy for companies to raise capital without disclosing anything. If we sever the connection between at least certain basic disclosures and capital raising, I think that companies would find it easier to, or more attractive to hold an IPO because they aren't getting the full benefits of, of complete privacy. So not everything's about investors, but investors might have uh, some benefit from this too. Exactly. I wondered if you could speak a bit on the enforcement aspect of a disclosure system like this. Who, How would enforcement happen? Um, what might be some of our standards for truthfulness, for materiality, and and whether companies need to be very specific in what they disclose? For example, to take an analogy, the financial disclosures that a public company does in its mm-hmm. SEC filings, or if it might be able to do something a little bit broader. Uh, and the, the analogy there might be some of the 
uh, the social disclosures that companies are putting out now? Right. Well, right now there are a lot. Okay. So, so first of all, for enforcement, so my basic theory of this is this. Right now, we've got a lot of people who are developing frameworks and metrics for social disclosures, essentially on a voluntary basis. I think that would be a good place to start in terms of designing an alternative system. I also think that one way uh, to do it, if I were like an agency tasked with this, is actually to talk to people who are not investors who consume securities filings now and how they use them and what they use them for and use that as a basis for developing an alternative system. I think that it would not have to be as granular as the kinds of things that investors get because it's not for the purpose of valuing a company. I think kind of summary disclosures would be fine. And what I was basically thinking was something like, um, at least to start with, we could start by requiring companies to disclose the kind of information that we know that they're already collecting, we know they already have in-house, and often they're already disclosing to government regulators, probably in, in some kind of summarized form, and that would sort of minimize the burdens on companies to gather information. So, for example, if companies have to disclose plant by plant certain kinds of environmental performance issues, then just they have to disclose that anyway, so their report would be some sort of overview of the total rather than a granular look. If companies are already disclosing adverse event reports to the FDA, stuff like that, then some kind of summary of them rather than incident by incident. If they're already gathering this stuff, they would already they would disclose it. They would disclose basic financial information, which any company is going to have. I would probably say unless they're already using an outside auditor, they wouldn't have to get one. We would you know, minimize costs that way. And probably not if, if they're a private company and they're are not disclosing it for investor purposes, then certainly not the granular level that is already being given to investors. So I think that, you know, when we're talking about the needs of the public, those aren't the same as the needs of investors and probably in some ways can be a lot less detailed. As far as enforcement goes, my thinking of this was uh, mostly regulatory enforcement with a kind of key TAM system so that somebody who was aware of false reports would be able to file their own action in the government's name and otherwise it would be regulatory enforcement. And my thinking on this was that since, again, a lot of these disclosures are already being made to government agencies, there's already sort of like the government agencies will be able to tell or be able to see. I mean, there's a sort of natural way we could see when, when companies are sort of withholding information or being untruthful about it. And it would actually, having these public disclosures would assist with detecting situations where there are lies to the government. So if a company is falsifying its disclosures to the government and now has to make some kind of public statement about essentially what those disclosures are. That gives people who know it's false but might not have realized there was false reporting an opportunity to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not true. And that would actually assist with the enforcement of other kinds of laws as well. I think that's a really good good point. If we base this on information that companies are already collecting or already providing the government, that makes this uh, much more administrable. And I think that's a, a really good insight about the backward enforcement benefits too, uh, where if we shine a little light on, on some of these disclosures, it might help with uh, enforcement in other domains as well. And what takeaways would you like academic listeners or policymakers uh, to have from this article? And what open questions do you still see? Well, I guess the basic takeaway would be something like, we have a lot of talk now, it's all in the news now, this question about shareholder primacy or stakeholder primacy. Should corporations be run for stakeholders or should they run for shareholders? And I think that's sort of the wrong question. I mean, to some extent, that's a question of like, what are managers thinking? You know, are they thinking they have to benefit shareholders or are they thinking about their obligations to society? And, and I think that's the wrong question. I think the right question is something like, simply, how do we develop an effective system of corporate regulation to ensure that corporations create more benefits 
than burdens, that they are essentially good social actors in all the different ways that we care about their involvement in society. How do we best create that system? And I think one way, not the only way, is by giving the public, and that means all the different people who are affected by corporate activity, some insight into their operations. It's not about whether you say managers should run companies solely to maximize shareholder wealth or whether they should, you know, raise prices on drugs because it'll get profits to their shareholders. It's not about what's in the manager's head. It's ultimately about how do we give incentives to corporations so that essentially to align making profits with bettering society as a whole. And the way you do that is by allowing groups other than shareholders some insight into corporate operations so that they have an opportunity to influence how corporations are run. And that's basically the point that I'm trying to make in the paper. That said, I guess, you know, unanswered questions and further things is, and is I openly kind of say in the paper that I'm not trying to design the system. I throw out some basic ideas, this idea of this joint FTC thing with the SEC, having companies disclose information they're already collecting. But at the end of the day, um, how exactly it gets implemented, exactly what the specifics are, I haven't answered those questions. I haven't begun to because I think we aren't even talking about how having a disclosure system for non-investor audiences, and that's really where we need to dart. And I guess the other question, and I have this in the paper as well, but I don't get into it, is I have no doubt that if a system like this were ever to be put into place, the first thing we'd see would be a lot of constitutional challenges. And how that is likely to actually come out and how that would stack up, I don't know the answer to that. Our guest today has been Ann Lipton, Michael M. Fleischman, Associate Professor in Business Law and Entrepreneurship at Tulane University. We discussed her recent article, Not Everything is About Investors, the Case for Mandatory Stakeholder Disclosure, which is forthcoming in the Yale Journal on Regulation. I'll include a link to the article in the show notes for today's episode. And thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.